continue this week talking in uh, 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 3. Um, we're going to be in verses 1 through 13, which also just so happens to be the entirety of 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 3, not the entirety of 1 Thessalonians. Um, and, and you might say to yourself, now pastor, this sermon sounds a lot like last week's. It does. That's because this is a letter, and unless you were me writing something, you didn't bounce around from idea to idea. You stayed on the whole idea until you were done, and then you went to the next one. When I was writing things, it would go point A, point B, point C, A, D, G, and we're over here somewhere. And then mom would go, what are you trying to say? And I'd tell her, and she'd go, well, that's not in here at all. So you might say to yourself, Pastor, we talked about finding strength and, and, and comfort in fellow believers at the end of last week's sermon. You're right, we did. We're going to expound upon it a little bit more in this week's because Paul expounds upon it a little bit more in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's read it, shall we? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. He reads, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. So that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Verse 6 but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you. So that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So let me paint the picture of what's happening here. Paul and Timothy and Slavanius go from Thessalonica to Athens. Now we read in Acts that Athens is one of the worst cities that Paul goes to. If you want to say anywhere he goes is a, quote, failure, it would be Athens. Athens is the leader of the free world at that time, uh, and, and so they were the, the heads of democracy, the, the arch system of government that we have today in America is based out of the, uh, the, the basics of Athens democracy. But also one of the issues with Athens was they had this idea of religion, it's freedom of religion, that allowed anything. And because of that, it was rampant with pagan theology and pagan theology that allowed you to indulge in your desires to whatever degree you wanted to. So Paul and, and, and Timothy and Sylvanus go to Athens, and if I remember correctly, when you read in Acts, you read Paul talking about the unknown God. And I, if I, my memory serves me correctly, 
we'll have to look this up sometime, and if I'm wrong, I will gladly tell you, that they had a statue to the unknown God. And he said, I know the unknown God, let me introduce him to you. Because also in Athens, what they had was an open forum. You could just go and talk. It's a great idea, but it also allows for some really, really bad ideas and things to permeate a society. And so that's where he is, and we read here that he's beaten down. He says, when I could endure it no longer, and what is the it? Athens. When he could endure the pain there, when he could endure the, the, the horrible theology and, and paganism there, when he could endure it no longer, he says, hey, Tim, come here. Go back to Thessalonica and just reassure them we're doing okay, because they are, because they have Christ. And make sure that they're doing okay. Because I couldn't stand it if they've fallen away. I couldn't take it if they've fallen away. I'm failing in Athens for what I believe is failure. Now, if anybody came to Christ, obviously it wasn't a failure. But in his eyes, it might have been. And he's going, I can't take it anymore. Go back and make sure they're doing okay. Because I can't take this anymore. And assure them that what's happening here is what we promised them was going to happen. And it's okay. And then Timothy goes and he comes back and he goes, hey, guess what? They're doing great. Their faith is strong. They love Christ. Yes, they have issues, as everybody does, but they're doing well. And it's a comfort and a strength to Paul. And that's your only fill in the blank there. Find strength. Find strength. You see, here's what's happened. Paul is what we would commonly refer to as burnt out. He's tired. He's been beat up. He's been beat down. And he just doesn't want to do it anymore. It doesn't mean he doesn't love Christ anymore. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to see other people come to God. But he's so worn down and tired that he just can't do it. And he says, I need a pick-me-up. I need something to pick myself up. I'm doing my devotions every morning. I'm spending time with God and he's sustaining me, but I'm so down in the dumps. And his strength that picked me up comes from hearing that there are other Christians in this world who are on fire too. His fire has started to burn out in this moment. And if you read through Acts, there are multiple moments when his fire starts to burn out. And it's rekindled and thrown more logs on it to build it back up by the Christians around him. So I want to point out a few things. The first thing here underneath number one there, A, affliction's going to come. We talked about that last week too. Don't be surprised. Paul says, listen, we warned the Thessalonians about what was going to happen to us. They didn't walk into Athens going, everything's going to go great. You got to think as they're going to Athens, they're going, this one's going to be the toughest one yet. Here we go, because we don't have just one God to deal with here, one pagan God. This is a center for pagan beliefs. We are up against it. Now, God's powerful, and he's going to work, but this is going to be the hardest fight we've been in. And he tells them, listen, it's going to happen. And he's telling you, and I'm telling you through his words and through the words of the gospel, uh, not, not the gospel, the Bible, I should say, affliction's going to come. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when we're trying to do something and everything seems to be going wrong. It's going to happen. But be comforted. Be comforted in what and who the people around you are. I've noticed something among 
churches and pastors, and it breaks my heart. And it's the fact that we here, and by we, I don't mean First Baptist, I mean Christianity as a whole. We hear about what other churches are doing, and we get jealous. And we put them down a little bit, or a lot. And we're going, well, they, you know, they have this issue or that issue, and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, but why? Yeah, they may, maybe they do. But God's using them to do incredible things. Why aren't we rejoicing in that? Why aren't we rejoicing that this is happening somewhere else? Now, we want it to happen here, but why aren't we rejoicing and gaining strength? That you Listen, look, God's working there. He can work here, too. God doesn't have to focus on one area, on one thing. Be comforted in the Christians around you. Not just your immediate Christians, but in the counties around you, in the states around you, in the world around you. Be comforted in what they're doing. It's easy. When we hear about what a missionary is doing over in Africa, right, what do we do? We're like, yes, that's so incredible. Look what God is doing. And then we hear what the church down the road is doing, and we go, well, why isn't he doing it here? Yeah. Why isn't he? Maybe we should talk about that. I'm just, you know, not, I'm just going there. No. But we should be as excited about the African church or the Asian church or the South American church as we do the Presbyterian church down the road or the other Baptist church down the road. And let's be honest, us Baptists, we love to get mad at other Baptists. There are hundreds of Baptist denominations in the United States because we like to disagree so much we can't agree with ourselves. But we should find comfort in the Christians around us and in what God is doing through them. And then you need to share what God is doing as well. Because here's the thing. You don't know who needs to hear what's going on. How are they going to know unless you're sharing it? Now, let me, let me warn here about a massive trap. I've gone to a, a number of church leader events, conferences, not conferences really because it's just like a breakfast, something like that, multiple times over the past couple of years. It's great. But I've noticed that when you get a bunch of pastors and or church leaders together, what tends to happen is Pastor A goes, well, yeah, we had three baptisms last year and it was so incredible and it was great and oh gosh and our, our children's ministry grew by three percent whatever oh it's so incredible God's doing so much and Pastor B goes well we baptized five people and in comes Pastor C and they're like well I just I don't want to brag but we built a new building and we baptized 15 babies 13 kids and four boxes of tissues <laughs> what so instead of rejoicing, everybody's trying to one-up each other. And I'm sitting there, and I'll be honest with you, it's hard not to want to one-up. It's hard not to go, well, our children's ministry grew from 1 to 15. We grew 800%. Did you do that? Hmm? Did you? No, you didn't. Look at us. No, it's easy to do that sort of thing. But you know what? So there's a danger in sharing, but you need to do it anyway. Because there's a big difference in going, Man, our children's ministry grew from 1 to 15. What did yours grow? To going, man, that's so incredible. Ours grew as well. Isn't it so cool to see what God is doing? Why do you share the number? You don't need to share the number. Just say, God is he's growing the church. He's growing this. He's growing that. And we're doing stuff in the community. Isn't that so incredible? And then Pastor B can go, that is so great. How can we pray for you that he can do more? That's what you should be doing when you're sharing. Don't be afraid to share. But don't share in pride. 
share in the interest of glorifying God because you never know how it's going to pick up the believers around you. Because to be frank, it gets hard. You know, mom talked to me multiple times over the past couple of years going, man, we're just, we're pouring energy and money and time and it just seems like the, the children's ministry is not going anywhere. And then one Sunday we had one and the next Sunday we had ten. There wasn't a slow, steady growth. It was just, okay, here they all are. But during that time, it was my job to comfort her and say, listen, we're, look at what God's doing elsewhere. He's going to do it here. we got to keep going. we got to keep going. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without hearing what other churches are doing. Not just in New Milford, Great Bend, Halstead, Montrose area, Bridgewater, whatever, but in this whole area, in the whole state, in the whole country, people want to tell you that, that, that there's not a revival going on. There is. There is a revival going on. Because people are starting to realize that everything we've tried to fill our lives with isn't going to do it. It's not to say that there aren't people, thousands, millions of people that are led astray. I'm not telling you that. But I am saying that across this world, there's a revival happening right now. And we should be finding comfort in that. And sharing it with everybody that we meet. And then finally there, accept discipleship. The last thing he says is, we want to come back to you so badly so that we may complete where you're lacking. What does that mean? So that we can disciple you even more so than when we were there. So that we can raise, see here's the thing. One person can only do so much. I can only pour into so many people. That's just the nature of it. You can only pour into so many people. That's just the way that it works. But let's say I pour into three people, and then they each pour into three people, and then they each pour into three people, and now you've got a lot of people. I'm not going to try to do math because I'm really bad at it. But now you've got a ton of people, and that's what discipleship is. And he says, listen, we want to come back to you, but here's the thing. I don't know about you. I struggle at times with discipleship. Not with discipling, but with being discipled. I don't like to be told what I'm doing isn't right. I don't like to be told that I'm lacking in a certain area. There are very few people in my life where when they tell me something, I immediately go, okay, I can accept that discipleship. There needs to be more. Now, that doesn't mean that you should just accept whatever anybody tells to you. But he wants to disciple them, and we need to accept the discipleship. The Thessalonians needed to accept that discipleship. Discipleship is not easy. Discipleship is hard. Because discipleship involves me looking at you, or you looking at me, or you looking at whoever, and saying, brother, sister, this isn't right. Hey, how, long, how often do you do your devotions? Well, I haven't opened my Bible in a week. Well, that's a problem. Do you think you should open it a little more often? No, you should open it a little more often. It involves when you're discipling somebody and they, they believe something and they say something and you go, well, hold on, that's not exactly scriptural. Let me show you what the truth is. Because as we talked about a few weeks ago, truth hurts. Truth is hard. And it can be hard to speak truth to somebody that you know and love. It's not an easy thing to do. 
It's easier for some, harder for others. But it's not an easy thing for me to look at somebody who I love and who I respect and say, where did you get that? What are you thinking? And discipleship is a long-term process. Years upon years upon years of working with a person, building that relationship up so that both of you can look at each other and not lie and be able to speak truth to one another. And Paul just wants to go back and disciple them. He yearns to go back to them. This whole chapter is about other Christians about how you interact with them, about what you gain from them and what they gain from you. Paul is at one of, one of his lowest points when he writes this letter. Before he writes this letter, because obviously Timothy has made it back by the time he writes this. So uh, before he writes this letter, he's at one of his lowest points as he's in Athens, and he's going, I'm doing everything I can to preach Christ, and it's just not working, and we're getting beat up and beat down. Church, I'm going to leave you with this. You're going to get beat up and beat down. This world hates you. We read in John, I think it's in 17, it's either 17 or 14, he says, this world hates me and it will hate you because of me. Yep, it does. Not only does this world hate you, but I mentioned it, I think it was last week, it might have been the week before, that your greatest discouragements will come from the people closest to you. It's a hard world to walk in. You got to find comfort in what you can. And the first and uttermost thing you find comfort in is, is, right, is right here. It's in God and in his word. But he gave you each other as well. He gave us, not you, us, each other as well. The whole body of Christ. That's why I say it's one of Satan's greatest accomplishments that he split us all up into a bunch of different denominations. Because how can you be a comfort to somebody if you don't even talk to them? because you're too busy being mad about something. Be a comfort and take comfort. You know, I think of, and we're, we're almost done, and don't worry, I know we're going a little long. We don't have a closing song today because I, was, I couldn't come up with one, and I think I understand why now because apparently I was going to talk. <laughs> oh, my entire train of thought just went away. Well, obviously it wasn't that important, hopefully. Or I'll think of it again next week. Take that comfort. Oh, got it. There it is. It's back. It's back. Two funerals here in this church the past two weeks. And both families mentioned how great of a comfort having the people come out. Some of you coming out and others to celebrate the life of the, the women that died. That's one way to be a comfort. Just show up. Sometimes it's a comfort to make a meal. Sometimes it's a comfort, like we talked about last week, just to smile at somebody. One of the lessons I had to learn is people like to be heard. I don't like to listen. I like to be heard. But sometimes it's such a great comfort just to stand there and listen, and they know you're listening. Not stand there going, mm-hmm, yep, 
Yeah. But to stand there and, and look them in the eye and just engage with them, that's a comfort. You never know. Be a comfort to those around you and take comfort from those around you, from what God is doing in their life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the body of believers, the body of Christ. I want to thank you, God, for everything that's going on in this world uh, that you are doing in this world, from, from overseas countries to, to this state, to this, this country, to this county, to this town. I want to thank you, and I praise you that we can gain comfort from others. And I ask, Father, that we here at First Baptist Church can be a comfort to the surrounding area to say, listen, you want to know Jesus, we know him. Or to the churches that need it to say, listen, we're behind you. We're walking with you. Father, we praise you. And it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen. And amen.